Oh, yeah. Because I have a very good brain. Children do learn. This is a house of learned doctors. I took a speed reading course, and not to brag, but my speed shot up to 43 pages a minute. <laughs> but my comprehension plummeted. Very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am royally pissed. I'm not going to have Pepsi with baby flavoring in it. I mean, what the hell have we become? Excuse me. Hello. Hey. Randy. Mr. Lee. Randy. But Miss Wiggins. Randy. Randy. Are we having fun yet? Yeah. Come on, yeah. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Reading Rainbows Book Review Podcast. I, I guess I'm your host today, Bobo, alongside my consigliere, what up? <laughs> Jonathan Slade. Uh, we are here to bring you episode 36, Woo! Billion Dollar Loser by Reeves Wide, Wideman. Wideman, I Wiedemann. think. Yeah. Wideman. Wideman. <clears throat> so this is a, a really interesting story about the spectacular rise and fall of WeWork, um, or as it is now called, the We Company. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if they're still called that, but anyway. It's terrible. <laughs> it is uh, a shared office space company. So it's a company that leases office space and then subleases that space back to uh, t- uh, other tenants uh, from freelancers and 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 you know one-off executives to uh, major corporations, um, and it is it was led by a, a messianic figure called Adam Newman, and he is uh, quite an interesting cat. Um, really, a lot of parallels uh, with Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos. This was mm-hmm. a very similar story to Bad Blood, which we which we brought to you back in... Episode three. Episode three, back in the day. So 33 episodes ago. Uh, but this book was right up the bro's alley. Uh, really, really riveting read on a, a company that thought it was going to change the world, but really wasn't doing anything uh, uh, groundbreaking in any way. Um, <clears throat> so Adam Newman kind of... He he, uh, he was born in Israel and mm-hmm. then came to the United States and wanted to kind of make himself into something great. Um, mm-hmm. He he always thought he was destined for great things, and he really was a, a, a very charismatic figure who could bring in a lot of capital. Uh, he started working on like a baby clothes company <laughs> and even got into the, uh, some women's shoes that turned out to be very dangerous uh, for women actually wearing them. Um, but he, he, he really made you believe that you were a part of something special, that you were going to change the world. Um, so they, he started with this architect, uh, Miguel and, uh, with this concept called green desk in 2009. Um, <clears throat> and the customers, uh, the tenants that they lease space to really enjoyed the, the flexibility of, of, a you know, short term month to month lease agreement. Um, and then also that kind of that feeling of community and camaraderie that comes with co-working. 
Um, <clears throat> they opened their first WeWork in Soho at 154 Grand Street, about 40,000 square feet of space. Uh, they called it uh, tenants members to try to kind of make that, bring that hotel kind of hospitality vibe to, to an office space. Um, and then they opened their second location at 349 Fifth in Midtown. Um, but Adam was a, a really confident figure, had really lofty goals, expansion plans in the very beginning to expand this uh, across the globe and into all the major cities. Um, but Adam was really persuasive and had, had many conversations about how he was going to change the world. And, and he had people um, you know, apologizing to him for not sharing the same vision and, and for doubting him in the first place, which is very similar to uh, Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. Uh, uh, at one point he said, I am WeWork, <laughs> which was really kind of a really fitting quote. Um, but he, he kind of pretended like he was bringing this new revolutionary concept, even though WeWork was not doing anything new, shared office space, uh, flexible office space, whatever you want to call it has been around since the 80s with the start of, of Regis, which is now known as uh, IWG, International Workplace Group. Uh, but co-working, which is more your kind of shared desk, uh, you know, shared, you know, lease, lease by the desk kind of thing, has been around since since 2005. And But, but Adam had a, a real connection to capital that other uh, co-working operators didn't have, which gave him the ability to grow and expand at an unprecedented uh, rate um, securing additional funding to continue to grow while really not turning a profit. Uh, 2011, they opened their first San Francisco location um, and and continued to grow across the country and then across the world uh, at the expense of profitability. Um, he, he didn't really address any questions. It's really an interesting timeline on how, how WeWork grew into the, uh, the $47 billion valued company that it did at its peak. Um, it, it didn't address any of the concerns about how WeWork will do in an economic downturn. So from 2010 to 2019, WeWork kind of grew alongside the expansion of the economy post the uh, Great Recession. Um, by early 2014, uh, WeWork reached a $1.5 billion valuation after JP Morgan invested. And then they had more than 100 buildings and spaces under development across the world. But in uh, October 2016, everything changed with SoftBank's Vision Fund, starting with a $100 billion treasure chest. Uh, Vision, the, the Vision Fund is by SoftBank, uh, who is led by Masayoshi Sun, also called just Maso, I think, for short. Mm-hmm. And then in August of 2017, uh, Masa... Uh, had a 12-minute car ride with Adam Newman, and in those 12 minutes, decided to inv- uh, invest to the tune of a $4 billion valuation for WeWork, which gave WeWork a, a, a real deep treasure chest to pull from and to continue to grow. Um, but but Adam had a really interesting uh, situation. He had a his wife Rebecca, who's the cousin of Gwyneth Paltrow really got involved in the company and they tried to start this we grow company which is like a, a school that that failed spectacularly um <clears throat> we were tried to get into the residential space with a, a concept called we live 
and they ended up opening only two buildings, one in uh, New York and one in Washington, D.C. They tried opening one in Seattle, and then that failed. Um, uh, But yeah, Newman had a lot of really shysty dealings with, uh, you know, some of the WeWork buildings were leased in buildings that Newman had a, a partial ownership interest in. Uh, Newman ended up selling some of the naming rights of WeWork to WeWork itself when they changed its name to the We Company. Um, but but the, the the real thing is that it was it was a, a whole concept that was uh, relied upon these charismatic founders that um, that you know lower level employees always assumed or hoped that someone some adult was in the room that was. Uh, running the numbers and making sure that it was on a, a, a financial path to to being a, a, a viable company. Um, so they continued to grow uh, throughout that time and, 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 and at an unprecedented rate since the uh, SoftBank got involved. Um, and then in 2019, they, they tried to launch an IPO. Um, but when you launch an initial public offering, then you have to release your financials to the rest of the world and for investors to see what your company's actually worth and how you're actually going to make money. And uh, that didn't go well, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> so at its peak, like I said, WeWork was valued at $47 billion because of all the money it was getting pumped into it by SoftBank, JP Morgan. Uh, one of the other early investors was yeah, Benchmark. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think it was September, 2019, they canceled its IPO after all, all the, all the intricacies of WeWork were, 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 were brought out into the light. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so everything, everything kind of came to a halt. The party ended quite abruptly. Um, Adam Newman was forced out of, as CEO, um, WeWork started, uh, laying off a good amount of its workforce um, and even was canceling leases of new spaces that they hadn't started tenant improvements on or occupied new spaces across the, across the world. Um, and then SoftBank reached a deal with WeWork to um, have a $3 billion rescue plan to uh, get it out of bankruptcy. Um, and and some interesting news after this uh, after this book came out, the the story was kind of uh, uh, concluded in a way. At the end of February, SoftBank reached a deal with Newman that included a 1.5 billion dollar purchase of stock from investors, including 500 million from Newman himself. So the deal also gave Newman an additional 50 million dollar windfall to cover his legal fees. It also extended a, a, a 430 million dollar loan from SoftBank by five years. Uh, so Newman was was ousted as CEO. Um, someone from SoftBank's now in charge of the country of the company. Uh, Newman has to give up his seat on the board of CEOs, um, and the deal really cemented full control uh, of the company by SoftBank. and 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 Newman is no longer involved in the in the company, but he can he can request to be put back on the board after a year, uh, but they have to get SoftBank's approval. So. Um, you know, really, really riveting story. That's kind of it in a nutshell, kind of an extended introduction here, but, <laughs> but really it's a, it's an interesting story. And now with COVID, everything has kind of changed and co-working has really 
fallen out of favor. WeWork has a much denser office build out, a lot more employees packed into spaces. They occupy on average uh, 75 square feet per employee, while the national U.S. average is around 200 square feet. Uh, and then remote work is on the rise and people are working from home. Uh, pre-pandemic, about 4% of the U.S. workforce was working from home. Now over 40% of us are working from home. Um, and now WeWork's looking to go public again um, with SoftBank having full control of the company. They're in advanced discussions to go public by a SPAC, which I barely understand what that is, which is sponsored by Vivek Ranadive's Bow Capital uh, Management. So it'll be interesting to see if they do, in fact, uh, go public again and what, what valuation it'll be. But, you know, the future demand of office space uh, is kind of up in the air and the short term flexible nature uh, of co-working could come back into favor as, as companies are reevaluating their office space. But... But really, really enjoyed this story. I was right up the bro's alley, like I said, um, and really just kind of goes to show that some people who think they can change the world are going to be brought back down to earth at some point. So, John, what did you think of, yeah, of the Yeah, you the made book? a really good point that I think um, is where I, where I want to start, which is the um, no adults in the room thing you've mentioned, which is exactly it. Like, Reeves kind of shows up this big money, these big players, Benchmark, Sun, JP Morgan, a couple of other initial investors that Adam met through like his kind of like Kabbalah spiritual mm. group, mm-hmm. which is also kind of an interesting side story of like you said, access to capital that propelled him to places that other people wouldn't. Like basically his group in New York allowed him to just get in front of people that were entranced by this messianic guy. Like like Babo said, I am we work. Like mm-hmm. and you think that these VC investors are so smart. They know and they do their due diligence and they do their like, like reference checks. But the fact of the matter is that they say is like all they have to do, like every 10 years is land one whale and it makes up for all the terrible things they've done. Like, Mm Son or Masa's son, he, he invested in Uber. But if you look at all the other things he invested in, they're all losers. Like they're not, He's just throwing money at at the wall and seeing what sticks. So these there are no adults in the room. And I think, as Bobo said, these employees got very much sucked into a cult of Newman. Like, pretty much, he did all the presentations. He got people to give money. He got people to take way less money in New York City to work for this vision because eventually they'd be able to cash out their stock, which... I do not believe they. some of them were able to, but I don't think it really panned out for most of WeWork employees. Um, and mentioned throughout is this idea that like, okay, so tell me again, what? how did, how was WeWork different than shared office space? And he would just, he's so charismatic, he would just ignore the question. He would talk about being like an immigrant from Israel and how he's, you know, I am you, you are me, this whole spiritual part of it. And would basically just say that if you have to ask that question, you don't understand it, which is basically what anyone that's running a multi-level marketing scheme will say. Like, if you have to ask how we make money, then you're not visionary enough to get it. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to change the world. And um, the, oh my gosh, his wife, I mean, I think that the, she is kind of the one that drove this kind of like spiritual woo-woo <laughs> type deal. And amazingly so gave her so much power to fire people or to make decisions mm-hmm. on stuff that was mostly just like her pet projects. 
that she wanted to do that school was a disaster um or use it for her own child's gain was would literally like pull teachers away from other students to go privately tutor their their children mm-hmm. um then we were started doing their like um employee appreciation parties every year that got like so much more extravagant summer camp the summer it. camp yeah <laughs> flying thousands and thousands of employees to like islands and paying for like Reeves does this great job of showing the actual itinerary list of all the booze that they needed, all the food limo services, like the absolute amount of greed. There's just like, at that point there's no change in the world. She's like, how much can the Newman family make off this company before it goes bankrupt? And I feel like it's not explicitly expressed in the novel, but at some point, Adam must have just realized, yeah, this is not going to be big, so let's just get as much money out of it. And I think the worst part about this whole story as it's like ending and where we're seeing it now as we're doing this this podcast is that he's still going to come out with like half a billion dollars mm-hmm. to his name when like literally so many lives are ruined. And can you say that he's done anything different? He has changed the world in a way because I do think there are either are some regulations or some something that's going on where like this story is a benchmark for venture capitalism and due diligence and IPOs and the creative non-gap principles that like Uber was accused of using when they created some term to describe their like basically like community-based EBITDA, right? <laughs> yes. Which basically like excluded like marketing all their major expenses yeah. to show that they were making some money. Yeah. So Uber was the first one to kind of pioneer this idea of when you do an IPO, you kind of you kind of make up a term that's basically saying um, if you exclude all the negative expenses, marketing costs, you know, repairs, lawsuits, this is and also projection of money we're going to make, then yeah, I mean, that's what we'll be worth. And they just came up with their own one and Reeves mentions it, what what they called it. But it is amazing, like after stories like Enron and WorldCom and um, like uh, Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns, like all these places that have failed, they all do the same things that investors are still like, you know what, this is, this is different this time. And like, mm-hmm. sadly, I think that the WeWork story, the Theranos story are going to be repeated in just different ways because of really what it comes down to is cult of personality. And, you know, Adam is a salesperson. He is not, he's a visionary salesperson with a very tentative grasp on reality, but just convincing people. And that, that's really the story of WeWork is Adam is a character that is very special in his sales ability, but Babo, this is a good question because I'm just thinking as I'm talking. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he's not going to jail. He's just is a stop on the rest. So, will we see a return of Adam Newman in a different? <laughs> will he raise money from Sun again? What's going to happen? Because that's interesting. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be really hard for him to come back from this because of how public this story was, and. I think it's it's very clear that he did not want to go public at all because he didn't mm-hmm. want to pull back the financials and show them to the world but but yeah I don't I don't know I don't know how you come back from this but but I don't know he's still that that charismatic you know charming convincing mm-hmm. figure and it just 
it just goes to show that, yeah, like you said, these venture capitalists don't know much. And uh, Masa Sund like, just went off of like the gut just the overall gut feeling, the vibe he got from Newman and, and put in a ridiculous amount of money into this company. And the, the projections of growth that they had were so wildly unrealistic that at one point the, the West Coast team was looking at uh, evaluating real estate markets to try to meet these lofty projections by Newman that were being pushed by Sun as well. And there, there was literally not enough commercial real estate in these markets to meet these projections. So like even if they occupied like every new building going up and all these other spaces, they still wouldn't even come close to meeting these projections. And like their growth was not settled in reality at all. And the question I always wonder is like, did they, was he really trying to change the world? Did he really think that this company was going to do that? Or did he just want to cash out and be, be, you know, a billionaire like he basically is now, you know, like what was, what was his, what was his end game? Like I, I think there's a part of these people that think they're they're gonna get away with it, that they're gonna that they've made it this far, that they've the they've they've made, they've gotten the con this far, mm-hmm. so why wouldn't they take it a little farther, you know? But I think it's it just kind of really says a lot about uh, the last decade. WeWork was really kind of a, a cautionary tale to 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 business owners to to investors that you really have to know what you're investing in and know what, what kind of company it is. And it all kind of starts at the top with, with Newman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, man, it's like you have to be, whenever the word unicorn comes up now, it's just like, that almost sounds like a negative now. It's like, Oh, we've seen the unicorn crash. Like that, like that's, you know, what's it, what are the real numbers look like there? Um, and I'm like on the same question. It's like, you know, are we going to see Elizabeth Holmes resurrect herself? I mean, she's been that, that thing was a couple years back, but it's like, are, yeah, are they just looking to cash out? Because, you know, Newman said that they would have so much of the market or they have so many like tenants theoretically like pre-leased or like in their buildings that no matter if they were bleeding, you know, a billion dollars a month, they would have too many customers to, actually fail. So he was not looking at it from a, we, we have to be profitable. It's just like, well, we have so many people that have like, quote, downloaded our app that you can't just get rid of it now. So it's, hmm. it's almost like it's the whole thing where if you borrow a million dollars from the bank, the bank owns you. But if you borrow a billion dollars from the bank, you own the bank. So it's like, now we're, now we're in a position where, Hey, we're not profitable, but the publicity's there. The vision fund money is there. JP Morgan's bought in benchmarks bought in. Um, and so what are you going to do now? And that's what his goal was. It's like, we're not actually going to make the money, but we're going to be so popular that by default we have to stay around and it's up to you to rescue us. He wanted to be too big to fail. Just like the banks. He literally said that at one point. So he, (laughs) they, there was this one term I think they called it blitz scaling where you just grow at just such a ridiculous rate. And, and WeWork was growing in all the major markets in the country. And then have, we're starting to branch out into other secondary markets as well. Um, even in markets that didn't have any kind of real demand for, for co-working space. And, and yeah, I think it, <laughs> yeah, he wanted to get to be so big that they just had to be dealt with that at one point they became the largest 
private sector office tenant in Manhattan, right. surpassing J.P. Morgan Chase. And, yeah. and and you know they 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 occupied a huge space in the Salesforce Tower in, in San Francisco as well, and were just growing like crazy across the country. I think at one point they had about ten thousand employees, and I think over the last year they've shed like two or three thousand people from that, um, which is which is upsetting. But yeah, going back to that. Uh, misleading uh, statistic. They called it contribution margin, which uh, <laughs> cut out the sales and marketing costs that WeWork used to fill its spaces, as well as the full costs of its leases. <laughs> and these leases are massive. They're leasing like, you know, like 40, 60,000 square feet on like 10, 15 year terms in like really expensive markets in a lot of sp- Place. So, like, that's a huge line item, and they were just totally excluding and, that from their calculation. Yeah, contribution margin. It's like a vague term. That sounds like a thing. Other thing is, he was giving these, like, oh, um, quote, whatever company, you you don't have to pay for the first year. He was giving these uh, outrageous yeah. guarantees that were like, so you're saying we come in here and not pay you for a year. And that was his growth model. It was like, just get people in there, deal with the financials later, right. which is like, a, a horrible way of doing it unless like you're locking them into an aggressive contract where they like they cannot get out of it. But it's just this growth models like breaking the mold is is good in a lot of ways to like disruptive technology, but there was zero disruption to the actual what they were doing day to day. And then it's just like some of the other stuff like at the ground level, having people that were working there like in sales, also doing repairs, fixing toilets, the entire tech infrastructure for the first like six or seven years was run by a guy that was a remote college kid running their entire IT department, mm-hmm. having you know having the COO paint and stay up all night working like literally twenty hours a day, and then half half the time would be like doing repairs so they don't have to pay people. It was like, and then the other greed thing you mentioned, just because this is book book is just basic about greed is Newman getting money from the company himself mm-hmm. for rent. Like if that's not the biggest uh, conflict of interest you can imagine, like, but some re- some way he was able to stay out of like the negativity for a, for a quite a long time, um, going as far as kind of like um, uh, Holmes did where there was one lawsuit that was filed where they basically tried to like use pressure and um, like kind of like blackmail to get her to, to back down. Didn't work as well as... He wasn't as scary as Theranos was in terms of like literally having people follow them, but they tried to suppress it the same way. So, um, th- is there anything else you want to mention, Babo? I see you reading the. Uh... <laughs> I know, just, <clears throat> you know, get, just just finishing up on that that greed topic. Yeah. I mean, Newman had a a private Gulfstream jet, and that he purchased for over, like sixty million dollars, and he bought. A house in the Hamptons. He had houses everywhere, and I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. And I'm just looking at his list of uh, <laughs> items to be stocked in their summer camp compound. Well, is three and a half pages long. Oh my gosh. Um, and I just want to I just want to read the uh, I just want to read the booze section. <laughs> so Highland Park, thirty years, two of those, a seventeen year habiki. A, th- a three Habiki Harmony, an 18-year Macallan, four of those. Uh, stole- I don't even know what these. 24 bottles of Tito's, 
12 cases of Don Julio 1942, 16 bottles of kosher red wine, 8 bottles of kosher red wine, 24 bottles of kosher white wine, 72 bottles of Peroni, 72 bottles of Heineken, 72 bottles of Corona Light. I mean, he was he really did kind of create a cult-like atmosphere yeah. and everything kind of peaked in 2018 and then in 2019 they tried to do their IPO which was just a mess and a half. I mean, <laughs> the stories about how like how how all these people were trying to uh, put the I forget what the documents called, but there's some S1. kind of the S one yeah. where you have to submit it to the SEC, and Rebecca was getting involved and in trying to put all these pictures, like, pictures, <laughs> and like their I forget like their their mission statement was something super flowery and nondescript, and 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 Newman tried to get this last like bailout kind of funding round, but but the I think Saudi Arabia backed out of it, right. Um, so they were one of the big investors in SoftBank's Vision Fund, but but yeah, I mean this is really a <clears throat> a real cautionary tale. Like WeWork went from the darling of commercial real estate; they're gonna totally disrupt and change everything in in the office space, and then they're gonna get into residential and education, and and it's just I you know it's a real cautionary tale in that you need to keep your business focused on its core business. I mean the whole time Newman was pretending like he wasn't a shared office space <laughs> provider. I mean, you're, you're just leasing spaces to other tenants. Yeah. Like you're, uh, you're in real estate and he was fighting that and trying to be a tech company and trying to tie himself into the Ubers and Airbnbs right. and all the other budding, you know, unicorns in Silicon Valley when, when really they're just another real estate company that had really, really poor financials. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this story. It's, uh, it's, what's it's, your rating? I would give it, I would give it a 90%. Ooh. I would, okay. I would say that it's, it's up there. I think it's one of the, I would say probably one of the top, probably one of the top five books that the bros have read. Sure. To date, uh, um, we're coming up on almost three years worth of, of yeah. podcasts, and so I would really recommend it. It's not, it's uh, you know, it's not super real estatey. It's a really, yeah. really awesome narrative, and uh, really, really captures the essence of the story. And I think it's really relevant because of how it kind of finally came to some kind of conclusion here over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and excellent. I would say that I, I'll give it eight point eight. I mean, that's Moist. that's pretty high for the bros. It just narrative it reads like you could it, it reads as like a very good story character driven small anecdotes that are funny um giving you insight into the people that actually make the decisions and their personalities so they're not like they're not like babo and i've talked about they're not like 400 iq big brain geniuses they're just like people that are like that get swept up in everything like anybody else they just happen to have billions of dollars of other people's money to spend so they're like whatever billion whatever you know if it, if it hits it hits if not it's no big deal um, just some housekeeping items that are that are interesting. Uh, we have three new cities to welcome to the Bros um, cast. We have uh, Kathmandu, Nepal. Wow. Thirty-two listens. So welcome. We have been expanding at a pretty much at a WeWork like pace. Where are we? Hyper probably like Sherpas, like climbing up Mount Everest that just need something good to listen yeah. to to pass the time. Is this <laughs> is this considered hyper scale blitz scaling? Yeah, we're blitz scaling here. <laughs> we're just we're going into all different kinds of countries and communities. We're not a normal pod. We don't we don't do podcasts. We're if you don't understand the vision of what the bros are doing, then just stop listening. We're right? changing the world <laughs> one book review podcast at a time. So we have Kathmandu, and then we 
and then we have Sao Paulo, Brazil. Welcome. And then Austin, Texas. So we are just, you know, hyper growth right now. Uh, what a diverse array of cities and countries yes. there. We are um, raising our, um, we are raising a round A venture capital. So yes, if you would like absolutely. to, we've already been valued about a billion We're going on a road show here. <laughs> We're going to the Silicon Valley, New York, uh, Dubai, just all That's the right. major <laughs> financial hotspots. Yeah. Know? So that's what we're doing. And then um, bring a podcast every single day. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's a it's a non failable plan. There's no way we could lose. I do want to give a shout out to Spotify again, just because I think that's really the platform that's killing it for us. Like five new followers, um, new brand new followers, one hundred and two unique, more unique listeners than before. So we're we're doing excellent there. So yeah, this is episode 36. I mean, that's literally Woo! three... It's about, give or take, three years of content. Um, and I think, you know, I think the bros, our niche is really business memoirs or business um, stories. Usually collapsing is better. When things collapse, it's a, more, it's a better the narrative. Fall from grace kind of stories. Fall from grace, that are corruption. Kind of cautionary tales that... Speak to yeah, greed, corruption, um, you know, backward business dealings, <laughs> so that sort of thing. But yeah, this was this was right up the bros alley. I guess I've said that a few times yep. now, but it, it really really hit home. There aren't. It's amazing how many more of these keep keep popping up. Yeah. You would think like after Enron, like it's never never going to happen again. Then there's Theranos, and mm. and now there's WeWork. Yeah. So. Um, Episode 37 will be out. Hopefully in a month we can get it, get our act together. But um, yeah, we will keep on this track because it's fun for us. And then I think we can tell from the energy and the length of this episode that yes. we really care about this stuff. So um, Babo, thank you for starting the show Absolutely. today. And uh, we will be talking to y'alls hopefully in a, you know, a month. 400 miles west and a turn 